0: Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to Dig In. This week, I'm so excited. I'm joined by Kevin Lynch, who's a creative director at Oatly based out of um, Malmo. Am I saying it right? Malmo. Oh, yeah. Malmo. So I was really not saying it right at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mal- Malmo works as well. Yeah, most, uh, it's, the lar- it, it's the largest Swedish city that no one's ever heard of. Oh wow! Yeah, it's is it bigger than Stockholm? It's not. It's uh, it goes Stockholm, then Gothenburg, then then uh, Malmo.
0: Okay. Yeah. And today on the podcast, we're just gonna be talking about the sizes of different Swedish cities.
1: <laughs> exactly. I think it's, a, I think it's a, you know, it's a topic that hasn't been explored enough. So I'm, I'm Marketers so are always wondering. Together. Yeah. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, Kevin,
0: thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Um, I'm really excited to dive into what it means to be a creative director at Oatly, dive into your experience on the agency side, um, talk through some campaigns. So thank you so much for joining me.
1: No worries. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me.
0: Before we dive into all of that fun stuff, I do want to give the listeners just a little bit of a background on sort of who you are. Would you mind telling us a bit about your, your sort of professional background?
1: Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I, th- I think, I think, um, as I was as I was thinking about uh, about that, I, I kind of feel like if you're in marketing more than eighteen months, you do a little bit of everything, and that's that's kind of been the case with me. Um, the, the my my work story has been very geographically based. I, I went started in Detroit. Went to Chicago, up to Toronto, back to Chicago, over to Shanghai, down to Hong Kong, back to Shanghai, and now to uh, to Malmo, Sweden. And, and most of those roles have been uh, in ad agencies. It's been everything from, you know, a copywriter to a creative leader, you know, department leader to uh, an agency co-founder. Um, and and then the last two roles have have been on the client side, um, but. Basically, I kind of still feel like a, a you know I started out, out as a junior copywriter. I, I feel like I'm still a junior copywriter, but I just have to go through to, to more meetings,
0: <laughs> less copy, less actual copywriting, more more yeah. meetings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so interesting. And we chatted a little bit about this um, prior to the podcast recording, but I'd love to tell the listeners a little bit about your. Um, your previous experience was it the it was out of school um, before you joined Oatly so that was such an interesting story. Um, so it was sort of why, how did that come about and why was that such an exciting opportunity for you?
1: Yeah, for sure. You, you know, the the it was the first uh, the the first job I had on the client side, and you know, the intention wasn't to to jump to to the client side. It really was sort of a you know looking for a role that I haven't hadn't done before, and that just happened to be on on the client side. So the first non agency role was as as the first uh, director of marketing at Shanghai American School, um, which is kind of saying something. It's uh, SAS is China's oldest and largest international school. It's been around since 1912, and it's never had a marketing director. And so it had a bunch of things uh, to say, but it didn't necessarily know how to say it. Um, I kind of looked at the at the role as as less of a job and more as kind of a mission, um, because it's, it's 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 this amazing institution that kind of didn't know how to tell its story. Um, four years prior to joining the school. Uh, my wife and I had had uh, arrived in Shanghai looking for a school for our daughter. And uh, as we toured around the different uh, sort of international schools, um, SAS was actually at the bottom of the list. It was the best school in Shanghai, but it, it did such a, a uh, poor job of kind of, you know, telling its story. Um, you know, they, it didn't really understand its, its origin. It's sort of like where it came from, its DNA or what have you. And so, it, you know, to me, it was kind of like, you always have these you always have a product that's never been advertised particularly well or has a crappy logo or or what have you. And and the opportunity to kind of take this little gem and, and go, hey, this is a terrific thing. Let's tell more people about it, I think was was really a, really a, a unique uh, treat. And I also think the school is unique because it's not a you know, it's not a can of soup, you know, it's this kind of living, breathing entity. So the job is not just about you know creating these clever messages. It's about kind of developing this visual and kind of verbal lexicon that the community can kind of adopt and echo and kind of play a role um, in our in our success. Because um, you know you, you can you can say all you want in your sort of admissions materials, but if if people aren't living and kind of breathing it, um, you know the the bullshit meter is going to go off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Totally. I mean, I just thought that was so interesting. Your your background is, I I mean, people always talk about the difference between like agency and, and client side and sort of what you learn and um you, the pros and cons of of both. Like now that you've been at Oatly for a little while, um, you know, you were at um, SAS and then you spent a lot of time in agency land what would you say to that sort of like, it seems like almost um, basically that, that thing that like agency versus brand, like people learn very different things on both. Like how to, how have you found that?
1: Yeah. You know, the, the, the I think the, I I, I don't know, Lee, Lee, Lee Clow a couple of years ago t- um, said, Hey, agencies aren't really partners, we're vendors, you know? And, and I remember a bunch of controversy um, coming from that statement. But I, I think there was a great truth um, to that. Um, you, you know, as a, from an agency standpoint, you can give all this great thinking to clients um, that goes beyond a brief that really kind of hits on touch points that a client wasn't thinking could make a difference, but actually could. And And, you know, ultimately, though, you are in a little bit of a vendor role on the agency side, and you're kind of crossing your fingers and hoping that the client's going to implement things um, you know, operationalize things that, you know, some of the good advice that you're offering. And to me, the, the nicest thing about being on the client side is you never have to hand off. You know, you, you, you kind of get to decide how deep you want to take um, this advice or thinking, whether it's stuff you've generated internally or stuff that outside partners have done. But, you know, just to kind of be able to bring, bring that to life and not count on um, someone else deciding how much of an impact you're thinking it's going to have I think there's something super, super uh, rewarding about that and and to me, just that that aspect of of never handing off, I think is probably the biggest joy of being uh, on the side of the on the side of the fence.
0: Yeah, I hear that a lot, even just when you're um, doing candidate interviews like um, working on the agency side as a marketer, um, you definitely don't get to see how things go sometime. So you have a sense from the client of, you know, it it was well received or hit the KPIs we were hoping for, but you don't necessarily know for certain. Um, is there anything that you would say you you think having worked in the agency um, agency side of marketing for some time, that you think you're sort of super great at, like just because of the fact that you spent so, so long within the agency world that you get to sort of bring to the client side.
1: <laughs> God, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think. Just I've flatter anything, yourself. really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, um, you know, I think for, from an agency side, the, the, um, you know, you work with such a, a diverse group of stakeholders on the agency side, um, and so being able to really get to get to how to frame an idea and, and figure out you know what different different uh lenses are uh you know when you're talking to different people everyone's going to kind of have their own lens of, of what they're looking for from an idea and right so to be a, a bit intuitive about that i think is is something that probably happens pretty naturally on the agency side um you know yeah pre, like the presenting skills the storytelling skills i know that sounds pretty cliche these days but but I really do think that that um, that stuff gets developed really well on the agency side.
0: Uh, yeah <laughs> no, that makes sense. I'm yeah. just always curious. I think um it's yeah, it's something that people say all the time like you learn very different skills. Um, but yeah, it's um that's that's really helpful just as a way of sort of better understanding your background and and now you're at oatly um yeah. which is really really cool. So what does it mean to be a creative director at Oatly? Uh
1: great great question. <laughs> I was hoping you could tell me. I it's it's been 2 years um still haven't figured it out and I I don't mean to to try and avoid the question but you know the the um it's kind of hard to answer cuz so the creatives at Oatly um, work on work under the Department of Mind Control, um, and and one of the few sort of mantras we have is to be consistently inconsistent. Um, and consistent. And and you know by thinking that way, I think it allows sort of a flexibility. Um, you know, if you think about Oatly and sort of the audience that we're we're serving, you know, how people feel about plant-based products is constantly changing. What they know about sustainability and and what actions they want to take that's constantly changing. And and of course that varies you know, based on your region or, or country or what have you. So, so I think that, you know, that, that consistently inconsistent mantra, you know, while it doesn't give you much guidance at a job, um, it does give us a, a really nice, smart sort of flexibility. Um, and, and the other thing is, that, you know, I think if you look at Oatly as a brand, are you know, we, we, we tend to thrive on surprising and delighting people, and, and you really can't do that if you're kind of repeating yourself uh, over and over. Um, I think that where, where you'd find the most consistency, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, um, what we do is. Is is like is it an you know, is it a fearlessness of, of our work. I think, you know, one of the one of the first things that was developed at Oatly by uh John Schoolcraft, who I don't know what his title is, but he, he seems to be in charge of everything creatively, and and, and Tony is our CEO. Um the, you know, they did this chart of companies and on the you know, the, the x-axis is a range between good and evil. And on the y-axis is a range between scared shitless and fucking fearless, and and you know basically the chart kind of shows that the vast majority of companies kind of sit in this scared shitless quadrant, you know, and and then you get to the fucking fearless side, and there's evil fearless companies like the Monsanto's of the world, and 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 um, apologies if they're one of your clients, um, <laughs> and then there's you know really good fearless companies, and that's where we you know uh, do our best to 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 be at, and and I think being fearless and acting fearless is it really is a massive sort of competitive advantage. I, I think that that uh, um, as, you know, the volume of, uh, as as audiences have kind of been given a microphone and, and been, get, you know, given sort of an increased volume, I think, you know, uh, I think companies have gotten even more risk adverse. And so to, to continue to act in a sort of fearless way, there's a lot of confidence that comes from that. But I also think just a, a real, Sort of advantage to to take on a situation with with much more, uh, with with a lot of a broader range of of what the right thing is to do than than if all you're trying to do is mitigate risk. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. That does make sense. Um, (laughs) um, I mean, Department of Mind Control. Wow, that's very that's very fun. It reminds me of the. I think we talked about this before, but the conversation I had with. Another brand who um liquid death and uh he was the the head of marketing was um the leader of cult indoctrination. So um yeah. I love the the creativity in the titles there. I did I did, I guess, have a couple of questions about this be consistently inconsistent. So yeah. is that sort of the guiding principle when it comes to um, like the cre- creative and copy campaigns. Like how does, if someone was sort of onboarding into the Oatly creative team, um, how would they sort of take that and run with it and make sure that they were, consistently adhering to the idea of being consistently inconsistent.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I think if you join Oatly, you don't take something and run with it. You take something and walk with it and you and, and okay. you stumble a few times <laughs> along the way as well. It like literally we have, I think we have an incredibly distinctive brand, um, but we we don't have a, a, a brand book written down anywhere. There's, really? There's not, you know, yeah. We don't have like guidelines. We don't have, we don't have, you know, sort of guardrails for people to know words that we like to use. Um, it, it really, it's a very intuitively um, run place, and and so we're really careful in terms of the folks that we hire, and, and we look for the same kind of sort of sensibility um, that that you know we think could, could be a, a good mesh. But um, you know, you look at like typefaces, you know, like the most basic of branding elements. And we've we've had dozens of typefaces, you know, and and all of them are hand done, and, and and all of them like have some some level of like you know, there's there's a great connection there, but but again, like you know, to not be able to have a typeface, to not be able to point someone to a, a brand guide, that's that that's kind of radical. It's kind of it is. <laughs> when when I was uh, when I was interviewing uh, with with Oatly for the first time, I didn't have a website together or anything like that. I, wasn't you know yeah just was unprepared shocking yeah and uh, and and so uh, you know I thought okay well let's let's put together some samples or what have you and so I did you know did a, a deck and started with you know five reasons why I might be right for Oli I'm not sure if I will I you know never talked to the talked to them before and 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 so you know number one was like all right international experience uh, um, at the time I was already in China. Um, and I'd been in Toronto, which is clearly international uh, for us Americans. Um, clearly, But, you know, <laughs> um, but been a, on the client and agency side. I'd, I'd worked for mission driven brands. I forget the, what the fourth one was. And it got to the fifth. And I was like, I couldn't think of five. Right. And they're like, it, that's fine. You, <laughs> you know, like a normal person would just go back to the cover and change five to four. Yeah. But it's like, no, no. So the thing that I sent them, you know, had one, two, three, you know, four good reasons. And when they got to the fifth, the fifth one started out like, oh, shit, I can't believe I promised you five reasons. And I can only, <laughs> only come up with four. This is so embarrassing. And and like, to me, I didn't know this at the time, but like, that's a very Oatly-ish thing to do. I was you just know, gonna
0: say just- that feels like something out of an Oatly campaign.
1: totally totally and so you know i think it's it's sort of things like that that we look for in people's work and and sort of you know their conversations with us and what have you um and and so you do you know you do walk you do stumble you do kind of have to figure things out a bit on your own um and and kind of develop that intuition but uh um but we found that to be just just a really nice way to for for people to you know, not only, not only speak the Oatly language, but, but, you know, add a, add a few accents along the way. You know, I, I, I think the, the reason why there's no rule book um, on the branding thing is because there, that is that consistently inconsistent thing that we, we want to continue to kind of evolve who we are and how we express ourselves.
0: Yeah. I'm just thinking now about um, the copy. Is there a specific copywriter within each sort of creative team?
1: It's it's not so um, I, I can speak more for, for Imea, IMEA, which is Europe Middle East uh, Africa yeah um, that's sort of the and and Australia New Zealand are thrown in there because we're <laughs> the geography but um, in in our group we have um, we literally just have a pool of like a half dozen people um, some writers okay. some art directors and we'll just mix and match based on whatever whatever assignment uh, kind of comes up so um, we tend to be a very verbally driven brand and so most of you know most of the creative leaders have a, have a writing background, but uh, yeah, but yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's funny when I, when I first joined, uh, I, I was remarking to one of the creative leaders like that. It's just so great how consistent it is. And they're like, I don't know if it's consistent. Like usually you can kind of tell whose version of the only voice it is. Um, and I think if you really, really dive into it, you can probably see a little bit of a difference, but, but again, I, um, there's, I, I think the, one of the consistent things that you will see is like, there's just a great sense of humanity. There's a little bit of a rambling and there's a little bit of a an authenticity and sort of honesty and, and uh, um, you know, transparency, I think um, you see a lot of that in the, in the
0: work. Definitely. And I mean, that's like reflected in the actual sort of product as well, right. In terms of transparency, like For talk, sure. you know, being really transparent about what it is you're actually drinking and transparent about your mission and, I was thinking about the copywriting because I know that Oatly is such a sort of verbally based brand and I was thinking you you would kind of need to be a pretty seasoned copywriter to be comfortable like with a lack of guidance on like con- being consistently inconsistent. So, as someone who has a copy background, I was just like that's quite fascinating. That sort of um yeah, you have different copywriters without a brand book working on, um, working on different campaigns, but sort of still coming up with this like magical mix of stuff that all sounds like it's authentically coming from the same place. Cause maybe internally you guys can tell which copywriter worked on which campaign, but, um, I'm obviously a huge nerd for Oatly. Um, I think the (laughs) brand's amazing (laughs) and, uh, I've never been able to tell. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, excellent, cool. excellent. We'll, uh, we'll, let, we'll let the gang know. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's interesting. One, one of the uh, one of the creative leaders in the department um, had worked with with a few of the other um, folks with John and, and some of the other uh, folks, and, and he would say that it took him like two years before he really kind of. Felt comfortable and, and felt like he he got the brand, and that was someone who's a fantastic writer, familiar with you know John and and I think a lot of um, John's voices in the Oatley voice as well. And even then, it took him a little while to kind of kind of um, feel things out. So I used to joke that I was much more confident on day one than I was on on day thirty. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, which I, yeah, no, I don't think that's funny at all. Yeah, that, that's absolutely true. <laughs>
0: You're like Megan, why are you laughing? It's not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. And then more on the warm and fuzzies, like what do you love about working at Ole? What is um, you know, it sounds like this whole being fearless thing, consistently inconsistent. Like all of those sound amazing, but just in terms of actual sort of um the work that you're doing there or the team, like what is it that that keeps you there?
1: Yeah, I you know, I, I really believe in the mission of Oatly. I believe in the voice of the brand. I believe in, in a brand that, that's human, you know, that treats people with intelligence and, and you know, rewards all sort of curiosity um, that, that people that people will, you know, will give to it. You know, I think, you know, I think the the Oatly voice sort of understands that if you want to persuade people to change behavior, you know, it's better to use laughter, not lecture. You know? Um, I, oh, that's I, nice. I would, Yeah. You know what? I always say that last point came from our CEO, Tony, um, which I'm not sure if it's true, um, but I think if you ever have a really smart sounding quote and you don't know who said it, just say the CEO said it. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. For
0: anyone looking for practical tips from this this episode, that's a good one. <laughs> excellent,
1: excellent. Uh, but yeah, no, it just you know it it feels like a, a really great fit. It, it felt it felt like a great fit the the minute I I talked to them when I was I was still in Shanghai. We'd actually talked about a, a role in Shanghai originally. And ultimately, you know, there was sort of a need for a Mandarin speaker. And I can, I can order Xiaolong Bao uh, with the best of them, but uh, my Chinese doesn't go much beyond that. My Mandarin <laughs> doesn't. So, but yeah, we, we, uh, we stayed in touch for about a year and a half. And as I sort of explored other opportunities, it, there wasn't anything even close to where I thought, you know what, this, this is sort of where I need to be. And so uh, I, in, in, uh, Towards the end of my contract in at the school in in, uh, Shanghai, I uh, called John and just said, you know, listen, I'm, you know, my contract ends in in three months and uh, in December and in January, I'm going to move to Sweden and I'm going to start doing work for you guys. And I said, I'm I'm hoping we can figure out contract details by Christmas. Otherwise, the, the holiday parties." going to be really fucking awkward. And and I, <laughs> honestly, I was, n- I was not kidding. Like that is exactly what was going to happen. I just, it just sort of felt like, uh, yeah, it just sort of felt like like um, a place where you could really truly contribute um, to to a cause that you believe in, to a mission that you believe in. And uh, and I think that's super rare. Um, yeah. And I'm so glad they, they, they decided to give me the job before I, I moved here, but I was, I was really good at, camp out on their, uh, their doorstep.
0: <laughs> You're like, I was coming anyways.
1: Yeah, it totally was. I, um,
0: I like what you said too, where you mentioned, you know, treating people with intelligence. And I think that that's so accurate, like in terms of, it's like intelligence, but, um, it's also like hum- being so human in your ads, like, uh, noting that like people understand why they need to, eat, to use sort of move more to plant-based and, um, focus on sort of sustainable living, but, um, they're also human who love, I don't know, ice cream and, um, they love eating meat sometimes. Like it's just, I think it's a very, yeah, no, I'm just nerding out. I think it's, um, very smart the way that, uh, the copy works. So, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's,
1: I, I, I think that, um, yeah, I think some of my favorite stuff has been sort of that acknowledgement. Um, that, hey, you know, you're not, you know, if you if you don't go plant-based, if you're not vegetarian or vegan, like, that's okay. Like, you don't need to make this massive shift that that, that behavioral changes are often in, in steps and, and we can play a, a really good step ourselves. So, like, just acknowledging that um, gives, I think it gives more realistic ambitions um, for us as a company. And I think it gives more achievable, uh, you know, it gives a more achievable framing for people as well. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And before, I'm, I'm now realizing that um I've been rambling on for for some time about the, <laughs> the the beautiful copy you guys run. We haven't actually gotten into any of the campaigns that I wanted to chat through. Um, so talk to me about some of these. You sent through some really interesting stuff that you guys have done sort of around the world in terms of campaigns over the last couple of years. Talk to me about a couple of those and why they're sort of definitively oatly.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I do think, you know, what, what what makes stuff Oatly-ish really is, you know, treating that audience with respect, you know, um, kind of rewarding that curiosity, um, you know, not taking yourself too seriously, which is, again, something that I think brands are um, have a hard time doing these days. And I, I don't know why that, that makes us unique, but it, it really does. All that stuff seems fairly obvious. But, you know, for those of us who didn't build the brand um, to where it is, I think it's you know we we get there and it just feels like we've been given this amazing stage to play on and and so it, and it it feels like it's one of those things where where you kind of i don't know in 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 previous eight, previous jobs it'd be like what's the worst possible thing you could do like it's just as a oh that's a re- that's a really funny funny thing and you know it makes for good meeting fodder here it's like here it's like no you know what let's go do that like I'll, so I'll give you an example we like sometimes we will take photos of our billboards um, and we'll repurpose those as social media posts, um, uh, kind of like a meta kind of a thing. So we just thought, well, what if we just kept going there? And so, you know, we, we, we took a bus stop ad uh, in Amsterdam and we turned it into a floating, bo- um, floating sort of boat ad in the canals of Amsterdam. And then we made a Facebook post out of the boat ad and then we made a billboard out of the Facebook post. Then we hired this wonderful woman uh, uh influencer to make a TikTok video featuring the billboard. And then we made a mobile billboard out of the TikTok video. Then we made a newspaper ad of the mobile billboard. Then we made a street mural of the newspaper ad. And then we did a video of the meeting where we talked about the mural. And then that video was then made into an Instagram post. And like, I don't know... <laughs> Like I don't know another brand that would have done such a thing. Like, but I, but I think just you know having this brand where you can take things to the nth degree, is is really fun. Like you know, not we're we're not afraid to do things wrong. Like like it, it, we're uh, this month actually we're just launching uh, a newsletter um, that's you know being supported by. A, a huge outdoor campaign in Berlin and London and Copenhagen and Amsterdam and Stockholm. And the first, the, actually the first ad for it was a billboard in Times Square. Um, and uh, um, if I didn't mention it, you can sign up at Oatly.com uh, uh, slash spam. It's called uh, spam by Oatly, but, but it, like if you, So you're putting, newspaper- <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah. to interrupt
0: you, Kevin, yeah. but you're putting a billboard in Times Square or an ad in Times yeah. Square to sign up to a newsletter.
1: Yeah, yeah. I a, love a free it. Free I love start, it. By the way. Yeah, and, well, and a lot of the creative in the campaign, you know, just kind of openly acknowledged the fact that this is probably not the best way to get people to sign up for a <laughs> newsletter about oat drinks, you know, which is, you know, obviously like there's a, there's a humor thing to there, but it's, again, I think it reinforces that transparency, you know, a little bit of the vulnerability of the message and, and you know, having, having us come off as a little bit more human and honest. And, you know, I, I think that's, you know, um, yeah, I think I think it's it's super. It's it's so stupid. Um, I yeah. love it. Like yeah. I just
0: can't imagine being in the. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall when you're like, okay, picture this. <laughs> We're gonna and and I guess at Oatly, it's totally fine and normal. I'm picturing like any sort of agency or um advising a client and being like, picture this, right? We're gonna take out a full billboard in times square where you get, we get people to sign up to a newsletter. I just, the client would be like, but how do we measure the conversion rate? (laughs) You know, like I just, I think it's brilliant. It's funny. It's such a brand play.
1: Well, it's, yeah. And it's, it's funny. Like if you, if you think of it from, from that ROI standpoint, you you look at like you know in Berlin or New York we've got a couple of these massive massive sides of buildings or or you know huge huge spaces in uh, in some of the big train stations, and on one side you know half of the billboard says you know what's you know what could be more more ridiculous than buying a billboard to advertise a free newsletter about oat drinks. And then the, the next billboard just says buying two. And you kind of go kind of like, the, like the entire half of your media buy is, if if you were looking at this from a from a what's the message being sent, you know, whatever, you'd look at half of that space as wasted. We would say that, that the space that you think is wasted is actually what makes the whole thing memorable. And and so I, I do think that that's, that's not a typical thought process that you'd find elsewhere, which we're we're kind of delighted because otherwise it'd be harder to get people's attention.
0: You know, all of these ads, these campaigns we're talking about, they're all about sort of brand awareness and equity. Why do you think that this works so well for Oatly? And do you think it could work for other brands or is it an Oatly thing?
1: <laughs> no, you know, I, I think, I mean, I think the best marketing isn't marketing at all. Like the, the best marketing is sort of an echoing of the experience of the brand. It becomes an extension of that brand. And so if you look at a brand like Oatly, you know, we're asking people essentially to take action, we're asking them to, to, to change from, a, you know, dairy based mm-hmm. to plant based. So a lot of our work tends to be engaging in the same way, like by asking for action. So you know whether our campaigns are asking you to sign a petition to to you know stop the EU the European Union from overly restrictive label language uh, for plant based brands, or we're asking people to demand marketers show us your numbers, you know, show us the, the climate impact um, of your or of your products on the side of on, on the side to allow people to make a more informed uh, decision. You know, we had a campaign in the Netherlands where we asked you know people to be a 100% climate warrior 10% of the time which is basically hey can you just switch breakfast uh switch your breakfast to to plant based something like that and if they did you know we would send them a patch um which by the way if anyone listening wants a patch you can write to my coworker martin at uh, martin@outly.com um and tell him, tell them you but yeah it's martin m a r t e n um, which is like Martin, but Swedish. Um, but but you know I th- there, there's a, there's a sort of you know, I, I do think that any marketer can do a better job of sort of um, thinking of how people engage with their brand, think of what they're asking asking of those of those people and and looking at what you can potentially duplicate in marketing. And I think you know by doing so, the people you do get, you know you, whose attention you do get, are the ones who are right for your brand and they're right for kind of the ask that you have. So I think that's, that approach has worked really well for us.
0: Okay. Very cool. Um, And to wrap up, I did want to ask about any advice that you might have for, I mean, that was a great piece of advice right there, but any other advice that you might have for marketers or creatives that are listening to this episode?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're if you're, you know, doing ads that are all about product features or you know, you have a pretty complex approval process or you rely on, you know, sort of extensive testing, you know, to kind of see what's funny, keep doing that because you're making it really easy for the rest of us to get noticed. But but seriously, <laughs> if if you know, if if you are treating your audience with respect or you're rewarding their curiosity or you're leaving room for them to participate. And, and and by participate, I mean like, you know, not not in a you know, click click like on the post or take a useless survey or, you know, offer your opinion to something that ultimately isn't going to change thing. But if you're, you know, if you're leaving room for for you know participating in something that leaves the world a little bit little better place, I think, you know, keep doing that. Cause I I I don't think there's enough brands in the world that are doing that now. I think there is an opportunity for more brands to do that that's um, not just strictly self-serving that goes beyond their own sort of business interests and and that makes makes the world a little bit of a better place. I I I uh I think it's really beneficial for brands because there aren't enough uh brands that are doing it. And I think uh it, it it's a great opportunity for us in marketing to uh to kind of um plus up the world as well.
0: Amazing. Thank you so much, Kevin. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Um, we will definitely include a sign up to the Oatly newsletter, um, in the show notes and we'll include Martin's email address. If anyone wants that? anyone wants to I, You know what? I'm
1: not even going to tell him that you did that either. So <laughs> let's, let's see what sort of responses people get.
0: He's like, what happened? <laughs> Where did you, <laughs> who are these so, so, Canadian? Yes.
1: So so the background is we 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 keep on putting Martin's email in all our all our uh campaigns around the world. Oh, and people Martin. just write to him like, yeah, that, like we we've had him in Spain and, and New Zealand and Amsterdam and New York and uh so now now in Canada. So thanks for so in Canada. helping us expand our geographic uh range of Martin's email.
0: Amazing. Um I will talk to you soon and tune in next week, guys. We'll be back. Bye, Kevin. Thanks
1: again. Take care.
0: Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights. And don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.